Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman Woo! joining you here on a Thursday morning. Glad to be with you. As always, want to thank you guys for listening, wherever you're listening from, be it at supertalk.fm or however you get your podcast. Want to thank our great listeners out there across the state of Mississippi, the United States of America, and the world. That was I, I'm currently listening from Starkville, Mississippi, you, you, you Super hit, Talk Studios right across the I wonder, table. I wonder, how that, I wonder how that's going to sound tomorrow when we listen to when Whenever you, when I you just hit the mic the, there. Yeah. Not great. I didn't drop it. I hit it, folks. My bad. Yeah, it's totally different. Um, <laughs> I want to thank our servicemen and women out there <laughs> protecting our freedoms. We appreciate you guys. We also appreciate our sponsor, Strange Brew Coffee House or, and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. You seem like you could use a little of one or the other. It's been a long day. I, I changed my eating window today, and I'm just a little off. So Blood sugar kind of I don't think it's a blood sugar thing. I'm just, you need, know. need some energy. No, I mean, what I need to do is finish this podcast, and <laughs> go home and go to bed, and then I'll figure out. I'll start. I'll start. I'll start fresh in the morning. Well, I love you too, Brian. I, I had, thought we could have a nice little thirty-minute window here to enjoy each other's company, and the world out there could enjoy our ramblings. But no, just wanting to get away from me. That's not what I said. That's not what I said. Yeah, what a, a, friend, a friend of mine texted me, and she 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 was like, uh, "I have I have female friends. It's crazy." Uh, she was like, oh, it's a late night for you, because I told her, you know, we're just starting the pod. And I was like, well, it's not 17 innings in Hoover, you know. <laughs> I've worked later. Yeah. No <laughs> we doubt. have worked later, for sure. For sure. Uh, today's show, we're talking a lot about the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, we'll preview that game and give you our thoughts on their schedule. Uh, but then, before that, though, we want to talk about some uh, MSU football, because we got the chance to talk to uh, Joe Moorhead. He is the head Football coach at Mississippi State University. That is accurate. Uh, I had to think about it for a second. Is is is, is he? Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> yes, and we got a chance to talk to him on uh, on Wednesday night. Last media availability for us, by the way, in case you're following me on Sports Talk Mississippi's Twitter feed at Sports Talk Miss. Uh, that, that it's the last one until Saturday when it's the full-on media day for Mississippi State. We'll talk to all the coaches, all the players that we, you know, that they send up to us. So a lot of content coming to you on Saturday. Nothing coming next couple of days out of a practice. Still no quarterback named. There's no one there. We did learn tonight, and I, I, this is something that I, I wanted to find out myself, that there, it is a two, it, he said it's not a two-horse race, but it kind of is a two-horse race. It is between Tommy Stevens and Keaton Thompson, Jalen Maiden, Garrett Schrader, out of the mix entirely. So... My prediction that uh, Jalen Maiden would be the starter come uh, August 31, we can uh, go ahead and chalk me up to old takes exposed on that one. I was wrong. Well, not necessarily. I mean, you could have absolute tragedy and, like, bad stuff happen. Don't, 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 I'm don't, just saying, don't speak it into existence. I'm not. I'm just telling you. It's not like it's a 0% chance. But he's not going to win the job apart from, from said bad stuff happening. Right. And we basically heard Joe Moorhead say tonight, like you said, he, he didn't specifically label it a two-horse race, but the two likeliest candidates to win the job is what he said. And that's, I mean, no, not breaking any news. It's just the first time that I think we've actually heard that said. So if you thought it was a two-horse race, and you should have thought that because that's what it is, yeah, then you're right. You're it right. is basically a two-horse race. So today at practice, you, you didn't attend practice. You obviously had your obligations at the church. Uh, I thought Keaton Thompson had another pretty solid practice, and, the, and we're, now we're talking real limited. 
we got three sessions, a total of 15 minutes, and I spent uh, five of those watching because I, there were some offensive defensive line drills going on, so I wanted yeah. to watch those. But I thought Keaton looked pretty accurate, and I thought Tyson Simmons was, was good, but I thought Keaton was just a little bit better today. Now, I, that doesn't change my prediction in any way, shape, or form, but I, it is, I guess it's encouraging to see that Keaton Thompson isn't just laying down. He's, he's, he's fighting for this job. Yeah. And that's, you know, I'm sure that's what Joe Moorhead wants. Moorhead, you know, one thing I found interesting, and, and you asked a really uh, a good question about the passing game. And it started with just a look at Javante Payton. Yeah, I who, specifically asked about Javante Payton, and he really did not answer that question and went into a. He went into another thing. Thing about just the receivers as a whole, which was really more I'll interesting. I'll answer your question about Javante Payton. He looks really good. He does. There. He looks he does. really solid. But he talked about the terminology was interesting. He talked about I thought we could take the passing game A to Z, and we ended up going A to M. So sort of an incomplete grade for Mississippi State. If Peyton, you know, Peyton's not a name we've thrown around a lot. We've talked about Gidry, about Mitchell, Zuber, maybe Devonte Jason, maybe even a little Austin Williams. Javante Peyton's sort of like been the forgotten guy in the mix. But in the, again, every time you hear us, I'm going to stop making the disclaimer. When you hear us talk about practice combined at this point. We have not watched an hour of practice. Uh, mm-hmm. Not an hour. If we have watched an hour, it is literally just it's an right hour. It's right out an hour. Yeah. And so, for me, though, what I've seen from him, the body control is good. You know, he's, he, he, he looks the part. He's catching what's thrown to him. He looks fluid. You know, when he's, when he's running routes, he runs sharp, crisp routes. There's a lot to like there for him, and that could be a, you know, an added bonus, basically, for Mississippi State. But Moorhead, you know, he is... He almost feel remorseful is not the right word, but anytime you get him talking about last season, you can see the hurt in his face about how poor that team, this team was offensively a season ago. We're not going to know the answer to this question. Do you think it's not fair? This is not fair at all. So, Joe, if you're listening, I know this isn't fair. Who do you think he hangs that on? Himself, the receivers, Nick. Some combination of it all. He would hang. What does he always say? I point the uh, the thumb, not the finger. Yeah, that's right. He would put it every bit of it on himself. Yeah, it doesn't nah, it doesn't all belong on him? Obviously. Yeah, but he, he would put it on himself. I, I guess the reason I ask that is, are those wherever he would pl- point blame or assign blame or, or you know, are you confident that that's fixed? <laughs> I mean, because well, like... he he seems to be. He told us at the at the chalk talk thing that he's he's going to have a receiver over five hundred yards. He was talking basically tonight about how you know last year you just said it they went from A to M instead of A to Z. Right. He seems to think they can get to Z this year a yeah. little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he seems to be pretty convinced that a lot of this is going to be fixed. Why do you think he's so convinced of it? Because I don't think you are. I'm a little more convinced than you probably think I am. I think he's convinced of it because he has Tommy Stevens. And because he knows he's got a quarterback who can run the offense, that's why he's convinced of it. I, I can't imagine there's another reason for it. Yeah, you know. So, and, and he talked later in the press conference about Tommy Stevens, and I'm sure you, you've probably already plugged it, and I wasn't paying attention, but I'm sure you've got video of, of the whole thing on at Sports Talk on Twitter. Do you Sports Talk Miss? Yeah, yeah. There you go. So go go see it if you hadn't already. But he talked later in the press conference about Tommy Stevens. He talked about him like. I don't want to say he talked about him like he was the starter because he also later in the press conference to one of my questions was talking about how, you know, just the decision process of when that might be made. It could be soon. It could be late in the game. There has been no quarterback decided. But the way he just bragged about Tommy 
and about how he's in the fourth year of the system and how he's even more mature now than he was, which all those things have to be true, but I don't know. It just seems like, and I, and I know we're scratching here, but it seems like he gushes a little more about Tommy than he does <laughs> about Keaton or any of the other. Is that fair to say? Or, or no? Would you? I, I, is feel it just like, I feel like he's been fair in his praise of all of them. But, yeah, I mean, when he talks about Tommy Stevens, he's like, well, he's, he's basically in his fourth year. And, you know, at the end of the day, these two guys were comfortable with each other. That's why Stevens decided to commit to Mississippi State. And that's why Stevens is going to be the starting quarterback at Mississippi State because of that comfort level that they both have with each other. And, you know, the, the question becomes, you know, looking ahead to next season, which we're going to do just a, just a second because uh, we want to talk about the, the new football schedule. Uh, you know, who, who's that guy going to be? Does, will he have the same comfort next year with whoever the starting quarterback is? But the comfort level is there this year, and that's why I think there's so much confidence. Comfort breeds confidence, you know? Yeah. I always feel like we're going to have a good podcast. Why? Because I'm comfortable with Joel T. Coleman as my podcast. Even though you only don't want to really be with me tonight, as you said earlier in the show. Joel, don't but... act like you want to be with me. Don't act like you wouldn't like me sitting on your couch. You know, are the Braves playing right now? Uh, they play this afternoon. Me and Cade sat there and watched yeah. most of it before he fell asleep. Well, and then I watched the rest if of the it Braves, If the Braves were on the West Coast swing, you'd rather be doing that. Absolutely. So let's, let's, let's not play games here, Joel. <laughs> let's not act like hanging out with me is the highlight of your day. <laughs> oh. Anywho. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I, I think that's you know I, th- I think that's what it's about for me. Yeah. Anything else? I mentioned the, the new football schedule. Twenty twenty schedule is out. First off, let's give some uh, some credit where credit is due. What a fantastic and funny video that was done by uh, by Hell State football. Our friend Derek Cody evidently that, that, that was, was his, his swan song. His swan man. song. His parting shot. At he the went road. out at the top of his game, man. I mean, he he was like Derek Jeter crushing a homer or something in his final game. I can't remember if Jeter crushed a homer. That was in your his foot, final my homer. God. That was you playing footsie with me over. There. I, no, that's not the correct term. Um, but but yeah. Derek, if you happen to be a listener of Thunder and Lightning, and why wouldn't you? Why be? wouldn't you be? Uh, fantastic, man! I I can tell you right now that was that was probably in his top five of yeah. things that he, he at least for me his number one. You know what Derek Cody's number one was for me though? Go. It was the uh, the the 2014 LSU uh, Hell State highlight. Yeah, never be topped. Yeah, it, it just still when I when I think of that. Of Derek and the stuff he put. That gives me chills just thinking about that video sitting here. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, let's look at this schedule. 2020 schedule. Uh, another interesting schedule. You know, sort of like you think about this year and you have that that weird gap in the middle of the season where you don't play but one home game uh, for, for basically a month and a half. This is a this is a schedule. It's going to take some, some time to get your mind right around it. First off, first odd thing, you're playing Arkansas in September. Yeah, I'm used to being bundled up. and. Oh, you're still going to bundle up. We're going to get to that in a minute. But Arkansas, September the 19th, part of a three-game home home stretch. Uh, September 19th, Arkansas, Tulane, September 26th, A&M on the 3rd. That goes in four of the first five, five games are at home. That A&M st- starts a murderer's row, though, brother. Yeah, you get the week off, and then bam, you're playing Alabama, at Alabama, at LSU, and then Halloween night, Auburn comes here. Earliest state's played Alabama since 1942. And the earliest they've played Arkansas ever. Ever, yeah. And then at, no team in the country is going back-to-back at Alabama at LSU, I don't believe. Did you see, I don't, uh, did you see, by the way, I don't know what the state of Mississippi did to the SEC offices. I think Auburn might be going at LSU at Alabama. No, they're, play, they're not playing LSU the last second or last week of the season, are they? No, I, I think so. Oh, you're going to make me, you're going to make me look that up. Um, Sorry, but I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to create right. chaos in the middle of it, but I think I saw that. But the state has this stretch, right, at Alabama, at LSU, at Auburn. 
Ole Miss's first three SEC games are Alabama, LSU, Auburn. At Alabama, at LSU, Auburn at home. What did the state of Mississippi do? What did we do <laughs> to deserve such such treatment? I don't know the answer to that. You know, in, in another interesting schedule quirk here, I guess technically states play in Alabama on the third Saturday of October, right? Isn't that supposed to be? That is correct. Isn't that yeah. supposed to be Tennessee? That is supposed to be. Hold on a second. They Wow, you're right. They are playing Auburn. Wow. But is that going to be at at? So at LSU, at Bama for Auburn? Is that that is right? Auburn this year. Is Auburn at Alabama this year? I can't remember. But they do play LSU Bama back to back. They're at all LSU is at Auburn this year next year. Yeah, so they in 2020. Get, they get them back to back, but they don't have to go to them on the okay. road. All right. I did not realize that. I didn't look at LSU's schedule. Uh very interesting though. Um yeah, so state, you know, Alabama goes into that that slot in the middle of October, and like you said, it is the third Saturday in October. This is the game, by the way. Tennessee Alabama is the game that hinges the entire plan that we can't get rid of the divisions, we can't shift people around. It's that game, but they can't even have it on the third Saturday in October where it belongs. So get that crap out of there. <laughs> All right, just make the changes that need to be made. Um, then state finishes. This is the easiest November in MSU history because there's no Alabama, basically. Missouri, first trip to Starkville for Missouri. Then you talk about bundling up. We're going to Kentucky, buddy, on November the 14th. We're going above the Mason-Dixon line on November the 14th. Oh, God. Man, I may have to buy a new jacket. It will be no colder than it was for that 15-game that, um, My thickest, Arkansas. warmest jacket is an MSU jacket. So I'm going to have to get a new jacket because I don't want to wear that in the press box. Uh, and then Just get, like, some tape some t- put over the logo. It's maroon and white. You can't miss it. Uh, then I like again state very smart in my opinion playing Ole Miss on the short week you get the FCS school on week thirteen or week eleven I guess that's right they do play Alabama Alabama A and M Alabama A and M and then again the Egg Bowl in Oxford on a Thursday night just quick your thoughts on the schedule what what what, what, what do you see just if I said way too early prediction what is it. They start four and zero. Oh, they lose four in a row. They end with four wins in a row. They go like eight and four. What a roller coaster that would and, be! And they're gonna like win out in September, lose all of October, and win all of November. They could, they could beat Auburn or A and M at home. They could, I, but but you really could. The know. schedule plays itself nicely into into a nine and three kind of season if talent wise and everything you're okay. But realistically, there you could paint a scenario where state is undefeated in September and November. Yeah. But lose out in October. Yeah, it could happen. It could be eight and four. What a weird you would go from the top you know, probably a top twenty team to unranked to back in the top twenty. Yeah. Within the span of, you know, the twelve weeks. At North Carolina State, that state's out of conference game, the power five game this year. Looking forward to that. Never been there. Never been to the heart of horseman country, Raleigh, North Carolina. Woo. Uh, looking forward to that very much. Uh, and then State hadn't been there since, I think, 1940. You may have said that when we were running through that earlier. I didn't say anything about North Carolina State. I, okay. I, I was not I, aware I State was, had ever played there. So. Yeah, I, and I'm going off Bill Martin's release. I guess Brandon may have wrote the release. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, M- MSU football's release that said that, uh, I think it was 1940 was the last time. When the last time they would have played in was the 1994 Peach Bowl. was played in North Carolina State. They played that. in the Belt Bowl. They played in North Carolina State? Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's Dax's right. last game, man. Come yeah. on. The opponent was not a pro, an issue for me in that game. Uh, all right, so yeah, I like the schedule. It's interesting. I I, I do hate the, you know four of the first five games at home in, within five weeks. First five weeks of the season, you've got four of your eight home games, and it's just not it's just not spread out very well. You know, so it just sort of is what it is, though. Is that right? Four of the five. So hold on, one seven two, home three. games. Seven home games. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, four of the seven. And then, yeah, in November you've got, I mean, it's not a great home schedule in November. Missouri and Alabama A&M. And then, yeah. At Kentucky in November 14th. It's going to be freezing. I'm already I'm already cold. I promise you, man. It's I wasn't be, at this Arkansas game. I know so. you weren't, but it is. it will be no colder than it was in Fayetteville in 2015. I'm, I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to look across the way at you. If you're chattering your teeth, I'm going I'm to ask you. You call up our old buddy Ben Waite, yeah. and you ask him how cold it was in Fayetteville in 2015. Yeah. He about died. Oh, God. I don't want to die. And I was sick up there, and it was cold, and so it was just double misery. For That's me, awful. But, but it was a great game. Right. We did have that. Well, speaking of Kentucky, it's time to preview them. Uh, and look at them from all angles and give you our thoughts on their schedule. Let's get into this interview right away, though. I talked to John Hale. He covers the Wildcats for the Louisville Courier-Journal, longtime beat writer for them. Let's go to that interview with them, him right now. Almost wrapped up with our opponent previews here on Thunder and Lightning. John Hale of the Louisville Courier-Journal joins us today to preview Kentucky. Before we get into that, I see on your, your, your Twitter profile, you don't apologize for soccer tweets. I don't either. Who is your team? Yeah, Liverpool. It's uh, we went. My wife and I went to England probably five or six years ago, um, and I picked a team while I was over there. Okay. Went all in on Liverpool. She's actually a Manchester United fan, so that oh, ends, even uh, worse. At least to some some fun uh, derby days here in the household. But yeah, that's. Uh, I, I would walk alone. Yeah. I would have ended the, the interview if you had said Tottenham. That's all. It would just been the end of that. <laughs> so so I right. take it you're Arsenal then. No, I'm a Chelsea yeah. man myself. Oh, Chelsea, all right. So. So, all right, let's talk about Kentucky. This was the game for me last season that the air out of the Joe Moorhead balloon. It, it just – they went up to Kentucky, Mississippi State did, and really just got punched in the mouth. And the guys who did the most punching, Josh Allen and Benny Snell, they're gone for Kentucky this year. Those aren't players that a Kentucky can just you know plug another four- or five-star guy in and say, go get them. Who are going to have to replace those two key players for Kentucky this year? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, it's basically the the narrative of the entire offseason for Kentucky. Basically, where you come down on that, the answer to that, you know, has a lot to say whether you think Kentucky is going to keep things rolling with Mark Stoops or they're going to take some steps back and, you know, return to the bottom of the East like they traditionally have been. Stoops' argument, and I think there's some merit to it, is the idea that, you know, a year ago, especially two years ago, nobody was really riding Josh Allen or Benny Snell as being these great uh, you know, game-changing players in the league. I mean, there's a reason that you know people were picking Kentucky towards the bottom of the East last season, last summer too. Even though they had all those, you know, 16-man senior class of you know Benny in there too, that was so so key and ended up having a lot of really good players in them. So why can't these other guys that they've recruited as they've recruited better as they've you know won more games, signed better classes? Why can't these guys who are waiting on the wings also exceed expectations? There's probably some truth to that. But you're right. I mean, Kentucky does not have four and five-star recruits really sitting on the bench anywhere. Uh, except maybe offensive line. So it's a situation where they're going to have to hope that a cast of characters kind of as a whole can duplicate the production that those two guys had individually at running back. And they have A.J. Rose, who was Benny Snell's uh, backup a year ago. He actually signed with Kentucky in the same class as Benny, and the recruiting services uh, were split on who was better. Two of them had Benny as, as the higher-ranked prospect. Two of them had A.J. as the higher-ranked prospect. He obviously did not make the early impact that Benny Snell did. It took him some time to master the playbook it took him some time to uh you know figure out everything that, that it comes with being a division one college football player but in his limited action last year he averaged six and a half yards of carry so he's a guy who has some speed he's faster than many snail uh, he probably catches passes a little better than many but he doesn't have that power element to his game he's big so he can still break some tacklers but he's not going to 
uh, in a situation where everybody in the stadium knows that you're running it and you need four yards, you, you don't feel as confident about him as you did Benny Snell, and, and maybe he doesn't have that persona, that attitude that you know, basically defined what Kentucky did the last three years. With him, they're going to have two redshirt freshmen, Cavassier Smoke and Chris Rodriguez, kind of form a three-headed committee. I think AJ's going to get you know 60 to 70% of the carries, but those other two guys are going to play a lot. And hope between the three of them, they can get somewhere close to the rushing production they had a year ago. At outside linebacker, where Josh Allen left, it's a much more difficult question to answer. Um, the entire defense has so much turnover. They lost their entire starting secondary. They lost a defensive lineman. They lost an inside linebacker. But when you lose the National Defensive Player of the Year, that's the biggest hole you have to feel, fill. They've got one guy who was Josh Allen's backup a year ago, He's sophomore Jordan Wright from Florida. Uh, he has some promise, had a pretty good spring game but he was the number one guy throughout spring, and it was pretty clear that Brad White, the defensive coordinator and outside linebackers coach, was not happy with the play at that position throughout the spring. So I think you're going to start seeing some other names come up. Josh Paschal, who uh, played behind Allen two years ago, then they moved into defensive line to get him on the field. Uh, He actually had a malignant melanoma diagnosis last summer, missed most of last season as he was undergoing cancer treatments, came back towards the end of the year in, in kind of a bit role, uh, just actually has his last treatment this month. They're moving him back to Jack Linebacker, a, a position he knows a little better. Uh, he's probably a little big for that spot right now, but he's more comfortable, and, and he's not going to be in a spot where he can play 60 or 70 snaps a game. So they uh, maybe use him as a platoon piece they're really high on. He was a four-star recruit at a high school out of Maryland. Uh, and then the other guy who's kind of the X factor in the situation is Xavier Peters, um, the Florida State transfer. He was a four-star kid from Cincinnati, who actually initially committed to Kentucky in high school, flipped to Florida State late in the process, redshirted there last year, uh, and is transferring back home to be closer to his, his young son. He's got a waiver in right now in the NCAA to see if they'll let him play immediately. If he can play between Peters, Pascal, and Jordan Wright, uh, you're in a decent spot there, although none of those guys are even close to Josh Allen. If he can't play, uh, then maybe one of the true freshmen I signed, J.J. Uh, Weaver, uh, from Louisville, Jared Casey, also from Louisville, both four-star kids. They're going to have to have one of those guys play and, and exceed expectations right away. I'm going to go ahead and put Cavassier Smoke on the all-name team right <laughs> now without even seeing a, a, a snap from him. <laughs> Terry Wilson, if you just look at his completion percentage, was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the SEC last year, but he threw it almost fewer than hardly any other quarterback in the conference. What kind of step forward can he take this year? Can he become somebody who wins games with his arm? Yeah, I think so. Um, the jury's out on Terry. Uh, there were games that he won for them last year. I mean, if you look at Florida a year ago, they don't win that game without Terry Wilson. I don't know. He, he didn't do it solely with his arm. You know, the dual threat part of his game is always going to be an element. And for Kentucky to be successful, I think he has to make plays with his arm and his leg. But that was a game where he had, um, looking at it now, 105 rushing yards, 151 passing yards, three total touchdowns. If he can do that on a regular basis, you're in a really good spot. But there were also a lot of games like Vanderbilt last year where he's three for nine for 18 yards. That's not going to get it done, obviously, in, in this league. They actually opened the competition for the job after that Vanderbilt game, played their back up a little bit the next week, and then Terry uh, came on down the stretch, had a good game at Missouri, had a really good game at Louisville uh, in the regular season finale. I, the expectation around the program is that he's going to take a pretty big jump from year one to year two. You would expect that. Uh, for most starters at quarterback, you expect it for most junior college transfers. 
Uh, he's a guy who was a four-star recruit also coming out of high school, depending on where you look, initially signed with uh, with Oregon, went and spent a semester there before going to junior college when he realized that Justin Herbert kind of had that job locked up long-term. I'm pretty optimistic about Terry's potential. I think he's going to be way better than he was a year ago, but he needs help. And frankly, they don't have any receivers other than Lynn Bowden who have proven themselves to this point. Uh, so it's going to be hard for him to find options in that passing game, but they're going to need to throw it a lot more than they did last year. They're going to need to be more successful in the passing game because even if the if those running backs we just talked about you know, duplicate Benny Snell's production as a whole, that's not going to be enough because their defense is everything they have to replace. It's not going to rank you know 14th in the country in passing or in, in scoring defense like they did a year ago. They're going to give up more points, so the offense has to score more points, which means they've got to throw the ball and they've got to find some receivers to emerge to help Terry. And you mentioned Bowden. That's a name... Mississippi State fans and most SEC fans are going to be familiar with. Who are some other playmakers out on the perimeter for Kentucky this year? That's, uh, that's the million-dollar question in camp right now. Um, they're going to move Bowden all over the field, and, you know, play him in a slot, play him outside, play him as a Wildcat quarterback, maybe line him up at running back at times. He's going to return kicks. He's going to return punts. But obviously defenses are going to start keying on him and double-teaming him and trying to take him away. Uh, so they need some some of those outside receivers to step up. Josh Ali, who's a junior, is probably the leading contender right now. He's a guy that coaches are pretty pleased with. Uh, he had some some glimpses of potential last year, although nothing consistently. He's got the speed to be a consistent threat downfield, which is important uh, to take some of that attention away from Bowden. And then their other guy on the outside, Isaiah Epps, who was supposed to start, actually just went down with a foot injury this weekend. He's out for six weeks. So that's a question mark. They're going to play a redshirt freshman behind him, Bryce Oliver, also from Florida, had a big spring game but was not a very highly touted recruit, so he's kind of a question mark. And then maybe the, the X factor to watch at outside receiver is Ahmad Wagner. He's a, a former Iowa basketball player, played three years of basketball at Iowa, transferred to Kentucky last year to play football, uh, kind of used that as a developmental year to get back in the flow of the sport, had two or three key plays where he drew pass interference penalties just because he's a huge dude out there. He's like 6'5", 240. Uh, set up the game when he touched on at Missouri with a pass interference penalty, but he didn't actually catch a pass last year. If he can remember how to play football, uh, he's a guy who can, can make a difference outside. But as of now, going into it, none of those those names I just mentioned are guys you can for sure count on to be difference makers. And then you mentioned a second ago you don't expect that Kentucky defense to be as good as it was a season ago, and I think that's a very fair uh, expectation. But what should we expect from Kentucky on that side of the ball this year? It's interesting. I mean, obviously, last year is maybe you know one of the three or four best defenses in program history. Uh, Kentucky, even when they have been successful, you know, whatever measure of success for Kentucky over the last three or four decades, it's mostly been built on big offenses. You know, like the air raid with Pat Mummy or uh, you know Rich Brooks when he had Andre Woodson and Keenan Burton, Jacob Tammy, and a bunch of guys on that side of the ball. Uh, they have just not really built it on de- on defense. Mark Stoops finally got his defense last year. Uh, he's got so much to replace on that side of the ball, though. It's it's only fair to expect them to take a back, step back. The good news is their defensive line is really good. They lost one starter, one player from you know six or seven man rotation they use there. They have the bulk of the talent and the depth back at that spot. They probably have the best defensive line that they've had since Stoops has been here. So if you know have a good defensive line, you got a chance in this league. Uh, they feel pretty good about their inside linebackers. Cash Daniel, guy who's got a lot of attention at SEC media days just for his, his personality and his you know over-the-top attitude. But they've got two young sophomores in, in DeAndre Square and Chris Oates at those positions who they feel really good about, too. 
Um, but outside on the edges, it's a real question mark. We mentioned what well, you got to replace with Josh Allen at, um, at Jack linebacker. They really don't have a single cornerback on the roster with any meaningful experience in the SEC. Their best defensive back was a safety, uh, Devontae Robinson. He's out for the season already with a quad injury. So there's a bunch of questions in the secondary. Uh, the hope is that as you bring those guys along, that the talent in front of them is good enough to kind of tread water uh, and you can finish you know, middle of the pack to just stay out of the bottom three or four spots in the league in terms of total defense. When you look at Kentucky last year, obviously a, a career season for Mark Stoops, and, and you know you would you, you would hope that the, the if you're a Kentucky fan that they're building you know they've built a foundation now they're going to move forward and start having those kind of seasons. I, I look at Kentucky and what they lose, and I think gosh they're, they're almost it's almost inevitable they're going to take a step back this season. Do you think they're going to take a step back, I, I, or or do you just think you know they might not win ten games, but can they be as good as they were a year ago? I'm not really sure how to phrase it, but what are you expecting out of Kentucky on the field in 2019? Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit of both. I don't I don't think there's any question they're gonna take a step back if you're you know, talking about last year as, as the kind of the bridge for success. I mean they've won ten games three times in program history and last year was one of those three times. They hadn't had a winning record in the SEC since nineteen seventy seven before last year. So it's probably fair to expect they're not gonna do that again given everything they've got to replace. The question is how big a step back. I think absolutely the bar for success for this team should be, you know, seven wins back to the, the basically the, the plateau they had them the two years before that when they went to the Tax Slayer Bowl uh, and the Music City Bowl and back-to-back years. They can do that. I mean, the schedule sets up in a way that that's very much within reach, even with everything they lost. They've got four really winnable non-conference games. You know, obviously they've kind of passed teams like Vanderbilt and South Carolina in the East, uh, probably on that same tier as Missouri and Tennessee right now. You get Arkansas in the West, uh, in addition to Mississippi State. So there, there are games on the schedule where you can see an easy path to seven wins, you know, maybe eight in the best-case scenario. Uh, so I think that's kind of the bar for Kentucky now. Where Mark Stoops has gotten this program, it's reasonable to expect, even in, in years when you lose a lot, that you stay at that six, seven-win level. And then maybe every two or three years when you've got a bunch of seniors, when you've got guys who have played a little bit, I think next year is probably going to set up to be one of those seasons. Then you can contend for the East. You can do what they did last year. You know, hope to get double-digit wins. Hope to get to a New Year's Day bowl game. Uh, all those things are within reach. Now. Appreciate the time, John. We always like to talk to you guys. We'll talk to you again probably again in September when this game actually comes around. That's John Hale from the Louisville Courier Journal. He follow, he covers Kentucky for them. Appreciate the time. Thanks for joining the podcast. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Thanks to John. We appreciate his time. Always good to talk to uh, people on the uh, on the opposing beats and learn some new stuff, which I think we did. Very informative interview. All right. You and I both know Kentucky's taking a step back. John said the same thing there. Uh, is there anybody in the SEC that's replacing two bigger pieces than Kentucky, losing Snell and Josh Allen? And you're just, I mean, just, just off the top of your head. This year? Yeah, I'm thinking like Auburn losing Stidham, but who else did they lose? I mean, lose? I'm thinking State piece. losing Abram and Sweat and Simmons. I mean, that's... Yeah, but I'm thinking, you're talking about both sides of the ball here. Okay. You know, I mean, you lost your absolute best offensive player and your absolute best defensive player. I mean, Ole Miss losing. You I mean, could make a case. They didn't fit, lose a defensive guy. You could make a case that Fitz was your no, best offensive player I will not make that case. Year. I will not make that case at all. Kylan Hill was the best player on that offense. Well, but I'm just, I don't disagree. From but a production I'm, standpoint, I'm saying, sure. That's but, what I'm saying. You know. 
But, if you looked at the like, if you didn't watch any of the games and you just w- looked at the statistics, yeah. you would say that Nick Fitzgerald was State's best offensive player last okay. year. Okay, I guess we can live with that. Just saying, like Alabama, obviously no Auburn, no Stidham, but I mean defensively they bring a lot back. Georgia, you know, everybody's back on the offense. So yeah, there's nobody that just stands out to me as they lost both of those key, key pieces. Um, what do you what do you think about Kentucky as a program right now? Because you know, I asked John about you know, can they take a step forward? Can they you know, can they be a, a, still be a good team with a, with a, obviously a worse record than a season ago? Is that program on solid ground in your opinion? I don't think it's on solid ground. No, it doesn't feel like it. But right. then again, I try and abstain a little bit from saying that because I feel like we look at Kentucky a little bit the way a lot of people outside of the state of Mississippi probably look at Mississippi State a little bit. You know, I feel like people probably look at Mississippi State as a program that could drop back down to three and nine at any time. Uh, maybe some of that's going away a little bit with the last decade, but I think State's always kind of been looked at as, you know, one of the SEC West cellar dweller kind of teams. And I, I feel like, you know, I, I'm hesitant to just say that's what Kentucky is in the East, but yet – from afar, that's what it feels like. I, no, I do not feel at all like Kentucky's on solid ground. And next year, regardless of the fact that we don't know who's going to be State's starting quarterback next year, there's a lot we don't know. I feel like State's going to win that game. Yeah. Or you know, or this this year, next year, all, all, every year when State plays Kentucky, I feel like State's winning that game. Is, is Kentucky the second most important game on the schedule every year? I, I, I'll, I'll be one of those guys to say the, the Egg Bowl's most important, regardless. But in terms of State needs Kentucky to stay in the win column. When 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 if, the, you're, if you're battling to beat Kentucky, you're in a lot of trouble. You're in a lot of trouble. And you know, in terms of bowl eligibility, you you, you think even with these Power Five teams coming in, State's going to win their non conference games. And then it's just if you beat Kentucky, you just got to beat one more team. Find to be one more. Eligible. Yeah, and then and that's what's that's what Mullen was able to do in uh, 2011 and in 2013. He beat Kentucky both times. Uh, and then in 2016, it nearly cost him. You know, the inability to beat Kentucky nearly kept him out of a bowl game. It sh- I mean, you know, from the win perspective, should have kept him out La- of a bowl last game. Last year was the first time State lost to Kentucky and, and went to a – or, you know, would have been okay going to a bowl regardless. You know, that, 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 the 2016 season, I said with the APR, they should have been out of a bowl. You know, normally when State loses to Kentucky, they're not going to a bowl game. Um so I've always said that. I said this game is super important for MSU. I don't, I'm not saying it's a rivalry game, although last year it looked like one. I mean, and that was the other thing about this game last year was it. This was we talked about LSU being the low point, but this was sort of the the, the big red flag because they couldn't do anything offensively all night, and then on top of that, they played so poorly and played so undisciplined. Remember, 16, 17 penalties, something like that, personal fouls, and just just kept costing themselves and shooting themselves in the foot. Over and over again, and that Monday was one of my favorite Joe Moore at press conferences when he stood at the podium and said, "We're not going to let one game, well, one." He used one of his words, "Yeah, game define our season." Yeah, it sort of did, but it kind of did, didn't it? It kind of did. <laughs> he was wrong about that. So let's look at Kentucky's schedule and let's get an idea of where we think they are. Uh, Wildcats start the year off with the mighty Rockets of Toledo. Gonna go with Wildcats. We'll go with there. the Wildcats, but you know what? I, I want to see the line. I don't, I don't know anything about Toledo, so they beat Arkansas like five years ago. I know that. Yeah, I just want to see the line. You remember last year, and you got on to me about this. You, you thought it was a bad bet, and Kentucky was a eighteen point favorite over Central Michigan, and I said 
Kentucky's not going to cover that. And you were like, oh, it's going. They're going to cover it. And I, I was right. They didn't. They did not cover mm, it. Blind so, squirrels find nuts every now and then. I know. We're only a few weeks away from cranking up the competition again, too. Let's go, bro. Uh, but yeah, I, I want to see the line on that game for sure. Uh, then they play our old friend Scott Weatherby uh, in Eastern Michigan. I think they'll be two and zero. I think so too. And then the revenge game, Dan Mullen. I'm going to get them this year. Florida heads up to Kentucky uh, to try to restart another 30-game winning streak. Against, and they will. Uh, they will definitely get that win, I think so. And then, really, these, these next two games for Kentucky, this is where the season sort of swings for them, right? They play at Mississippi State and at South Carolina. They've got to find a split, right? They have to split these games to, to, to do anything. Well, I don't think they're beating State, so what you're saying is they got to beat South Carolina. They have to beat South Carolina. Uh South Carolina, I think, has won like four straight against Kentucky, too. And it's in Carolina? It's in Carolina. I'm going to go the 0-2. They're going to be 2-3. I'm with you. I think I'm going to go that route. All right. They should be able to get back on the winning track the next week when they host Arkansas. So 3-3. Three and three. And then they you know, they finish it out the way they finish it out. They go to Georgia. Loss. That's a loss. So I've got, what are we saying? 3-4. and 3-4. Three and, four. Three and four. They host Missouri. I like I mean, Missouri in I that like game. Missouri there. Yeah. Four, three and three five. five. They host Tennessee. I'm just not. I'm just not high on Tennessee. That's why. Neither I am think, I, but I think, think they're State, a little better than Kentucky. I'm going to go with you, but I'm not totally convinced that I'll stick with that when All it right. comes time. So three and six. Now they got to win out to go to a bowl. They're not going to do that. Well, they they could do it. They could win out. I'll take it back. They go to they go to Vanderbilt. That's a winnable win. game. Four, four, four and six. They host Tennessee Martin. Five and six. And they host Louisville, who is in a complete rebuild. Yeah, they're going to get to six and six. Yeah. With a strong finish. And you could, and you could convince me of seven and five. You could convince me they, they, they beat, beat Tennessee South Carolina or, or Tennessee. South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that, in my opinion, that's L- losing a, the, the key players they lost. That's if they, a, if that's they go a seven and five, that's a great job by Mark Stoops. Yeah. Who's a guy I've never been really high on for whatever reason. So, yeah. But yes, six and six, I think seven and five is possible. Is eight and four possible? They'd have to beat State. They'd have to beat State. And I, to beat I just don't. They're not going to beat Georgia. They're not going to beat Florida. They're probably not going to beat Missouri. I guess you can't say they're not going to beat State after they just beat State a year ago. Right, that's what I'm saying. But I just I can't imagine they're going to come to Starkville and win. But yeah, especially with the two guys who wrecked State the worst last year. They're they're gone. They're gone. You should be you should be okay. By the way, just I know you, you didn't hear the interview, but Kentucky has a running back named Cavassier Smoke. I'm giving him the all name right off the top. I think of the ladies man when Look, I hear that. A glass of Cavassier. And a fish sandwich. <laughs> it looked like someone stuck two fine hams down the back of your dress. <laughs> yeah, something like that. All right. <laughs> uh, tomorrow's show, I don't know what we'll talk about yet, but we're going to talk about it. I'll tell you that damn much. That's going to happen. Yeah. So we'll have a pod for you tomorrow, and then we'll get into the weekend. Don't forget, on Saturday, that is MSU Media Day. Follow at uh, Sports Talk Miss on Twitter. Live video all day. Moorhead, Shoop, other assistant coaches, players. I imagine Stevens will talk. Keaton will talk. Uh, we might get our first talk with Isaiah Zuber. There was some. There's a. There's a rustling and a rumbling that Leo Lewis might finally come to the podium. I, I hope that. Oh, happened. I didn't hear that rustling and rumbling. You breaking news to me here. Were you not up there when we talked about that? Uh, probably not, because I got there not only about. No, it wasn't today. Oh, it wasn't. No, I'm, I missed. They I'm said they said they might try to get. They're going to try to get him up there this year. You know, I guess enough time has passed that that's not. It's not going to be a big issue anymore. So we'll see. All right, we'll talk to you guys on Friday for Joel T.
T. Coleman. Woo! I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.